It, it is nice to see you every week, and thank you for all of you who came to our church this morning, who are here today, and, and allowed time in your schedule to, to make our community, our church family, the place where you can get in contact with the things of God. Thank you for that. We appreciate you being here this morning. We are in the middle of this series that we title Getting Into Shape, and as you have been uh, uh, discovering together with me, we, we've learned that God made us with a shape, and this shape is composed of, of different parts. And last week, uh, uh, we discover our spiritual gifts. And, and if you happen to miss, like I said on the first week of the series, this is the most important series that I preach in this church yet. So if you happen to miss the first two weeks, please, please visit our website, listen to the messages online, ask people around because you don't want to miss it. You want really God's plan for your life fulfilled. The only way to do it is to discover your shape. So please uh, go back and check it out. If, if, if you forgot what they were about, go back and check it out because it is important for us, for every one of us. We live in a time where people are so protective of their identity. In fact, we live in a time where all of us, even if you are not a very computer-savvy individual, you have at least three passwords. We have passwords for work. We have passwords for our email. We have passwords for, for, for our Snapchat and uh, Instagram and Facebook. Well, all of us have passwords nowadays. And, and that is... Because we want to protect our identity. Uh, some more recent technology has helped us to understand that if you use your thumbprint to open your device or to get into an application, it is a more secure way of keeping your identity. And in the, in the process of protecting yourself and finding who you really are, the University of Toronto discovered that there is a more, the most secure way to protect one's identity. And, and they discover that our body has a very unique rhythm that is unique to each individual. They discover that there's nothing to identify an individual that can be more secure than the individual's heartbeat. According to, to scientists, they, they realized that everyone's heart is different from the other. And, and it all depends on how thick the tissue of the heart is, how thick the tissue between the muscles and the heart is, how big the heart is, the, the, the size, and, and, and the speed at, at which the heart beats. And some hearts even have enhancements like arrhythmias. So they discovered that each individual has a very particular heartbeat. And that could be the one piece of technology that could help protect the identity of the individual. I, I want to show you uh, this gentleman. His name is Andrew De Salsa. And Andrew is one 
the president of this company that is working on the NIME. NIME is the device that he's wearing on his wrist. And this device allows the individual to read his heartbeat. And with that reading of the heartbeat, the device can be used as a form of identification. Now today I want to take you to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 19. And it says, as in water, face, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. You guessed it, and I think you've been, you guessed it from the beginning of the worship today. Today, I want to talk to you about your heart. But see, the heart... It's more than just the organ that pumps blood and keeps its own rhythm. The heart and the scripture is the source of all passions, is the source of all desires, is the source of what drives an individual to do, to speak, to act. The heart is what makes a human being do what he does. So I want to ask you today, do you know? What your passions are? A uh, long ago, I was pastoring, uh, yeah, long ago, more than a decade ago, I was pastoring a church uh, uh, where uh, we had two services. One started at 8.30 in the morning and the next one started at 11 in the morning. And somebody told me, it was about this time uh, uh, when the World Cup was happening. And somebody told me, you know what the World Cup is? Okay, I know what your passions are now. Now, and now. Uh, so I was there, and one of the elders said, well, Pastor, you know, this Sabbath, uh, we might not have a lot of people. And I was completely unaware of what was going on in the world. And, and he said, you know, uh, it's a World Cup. I'm like, but we're at Venice. We don't, we don't watch that thing on Sabbath, you know. And, uh, and it was funny because the first service was empty. I was like, wow, now I know where we are. You see, this... Your heart reflects your passions, but not your intellectual passions. It reflects your desires. It reflects what the emotional component in your life. You see, that, that means that when something that happens in the world hurts you, that is your passion. I was having a conversation with Jean earlier today about the, the crisis that is happening with people fleeing from Guatemala. And, and, and you know, it is a humanitarian crisis. And if your heart does not ache for what is happening to these people, we're definitely not having the heart of God. The Western Dictionary defines passion as a strong liking or desire, a devotion to some activity, object, or concept. Passion is a strong liking or desire for or a devotion to some activity. Now, if I were to ask you, what is the thing that you like to do the most? What is the thing that, that, that if you were invited to do, you cancel your appointments, you clear your schedule to do? That is your passion. Now, because our hearts are different, our passions are different. You see, let, let's do a little experiment here. How many of you are dog lovers? Okay. Okay. How many of you are cat lovers? 
you're probably sitting next to a dog lover. Now, how many of you, how many of you like both? How many of you don't like either? Now, now you see what I'm talking about. Now, now you see our, our passions, our passions are different. You might be living with somebody who loves music. And you probably don't like it very much. You see, but I, but I think that life is like this. I, I think that, that God made us in that way. Because see, he, God has not only a sense of humor, but he has a love for diversity. You see, oftentimes, and this, this is a crazy thing because it happens in some churches, you know. Some people like this kind of music. Some other people like this other kind of music. And they're, they're worship words and all kinds of stuff. And, and, you know, it's crazy because the, the only thing that is happening is that we don't understand that God made us different. You see, I think that music is like food. Let me explain it to you. How many of you like Italian food? I mean, you got to be crazy not to like Italian food, right? Right, everybody likes Italian food, right? I mean, Italian food is the food. How many of you like British food? No, nothing against British food, but, you know, you don't, hear, you don't hear about it, right? We don't hear about it. I mean, fish and chips, that's cool, right? I mean, that's cool, right? Uh, but but you, you don't hear about some kind of food because some food is different than others. Like, uh, when, when we went to India, uh, it, it was the, the craziest thing. We had been eating Indian food for 14 days, and honestly, I had already grown a little bit tired of curry. So on the way to, to the Taj Mahal, five hours away from, from Delhi, before coming to our final plane to come back home, uh, we went to Agra, where the Taj Mahal is, and on the way, the bus picked us up, and, and we were thinking, what are we going to eat? We got to get there and eat and go back to the airport and take our flight home. So as we go in there, there is a Domino's pizza. Yeah, you know, he was like, yeah, we, we got it. We, this is it. So, so we managed for the bus driver to stop and, and, uh, and, and whoever was in charge of the group uh, went to, the, to Domino's pizza and, and managed for them to deliver to the Taj. So, so we're there, we get there and then we see this guy in the scooter, you know, with, with a pile of 25 pizzas, you know, and a bunch of sodas, and, and when we get there, you know, we're all starving, hungry, and, and trying to eat something that will resemble home, and, and, and finally they open the boxes, I grab my slice, and, and I took my pizza, and when I put it in my mouth, it was the most horrible feeling in the world, because when I took a bite out of that slice of pizza, instead of Tomato sauce, it had curry sauce. <laughs> Awful. So, so people ask me nowadays, you want to eat, eat uh, Indian food? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I hate it with a passion. So, so you see, all of us have different tastes. All of us have different passions, different likes, uh, di different things that we enjoy doing. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, God made you the way he made you with your passions, with your likes, with your tastes, with the things that you enjoy doing because God likes to see that variety. God likes to see us doing different things, enjoying different things. That's why God made us that way. 
Now, for that reason, because God made us different. God made us to, to give spice to life. Not a pun on curry, but when I do, when I do what God made, it, made me to do, brings me joy. And there's a crazy thing. How do I know that something is one of the things that is in my heart, that is my passion? Because one, it brings me joy. And two, I do it well. I'm good at it. So see, let me explain this to you. When, when, when you don't know what your passion is, but all of a sudden you start doing something that you like, that you enjoy doing, and then you're good at it? It's like, whoa, I didn't know I could have so much fun doing this thing. And look, I already did all this much. Guess what? You just discover, you're discovering your heart. You're discovering your passion. Now, passionate people, when do their things, the things that they're passionate about, two things happen. They have happiness while they're doing it, and they're doing it well. They're doing it right. Things get done. See, only passionate people get things done. Yes. Only passionate people get things done. See, think about this. Uh, Edison, you think he was passionate about discovering electricity? I mean, the libel, he took 100,000 times to do it. He made so many mistakes, but he was passionate about it. He kept working at it. You, you think of the Apostle Paul. Was he passionate about preaching the gospel? I mean, he was beat and stoned and, 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 and shipwrecked, but he still went because he was passionate about it. Uh, think about Steve Jobs. You think he was passionate about technology? He was fired from his own company. He came back and made it grow. Why? Because he was passionate about it. Think about Kobe Bryant. You think he was passionate about basketball? Okay, maybe you don't think so, but, but, but he was passionate about it. You know, he was passionate about it. He loved it so much. I heard a story about him that, that when they were in the Olympics, uh, the last Olympics that he played, everybody was sleeping, you know, because they were partying with the other athletes and looking around and going to events. And, and he went early in the morning, 3 in the morning, he was shooting at the, in the gym, practicing. I mean, it was the Olympics. It wasn't even the NBA. But why did he do it? It wasn't because he needed the practice. It was because he was, you guessed it, he was passionate. He was passionate about it. Because only passionate people enjoy what they do and they do it well because they're good at it. Now, let me tell you something. If you only enjoy some things, that doesn't mean that is your heart. You have to be good at it. Give me an example. How many of you like donuts? Can you make donuts? But some of you might. But, but you say, hey, I love donuts so much, I'm going to open a donut shop. I have two words for you. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Not because you enjoy something, that means that is your passion. You have to enjoy it and also be good at it. Okay? Now, I think that also in the process of discovering our passions and enjoying life, doing our passions and do what we do well. We're like lamps. All of us have or have had that lamp that we have in the corner on a nightstand at the living room and we turn it on. 
But after a while, that light bulb is not so bright anymore. You know what I'm talking about? It seems a little dim now. It's not as bright as when we first got it. Because any light bulb, after a while, begins to dim down, begins to burn down. And see, when we are discovering our heart, when we are passionate about doing something, there, 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 is, there, there are things that, that we, call, we call heartbreakers. These are the things that break our heart. And, and these heartbreakers are attitudes, are people, are things, events that happen in our life that, that when they happen, they're like the, the spiritual cholesterol that block our heart from being healthy and from working the way it's supposed to work. And, and, and when these things happen, they prevent us from being and from doing what God made us to do. And, and I want to share with you some of these heartbreakers. And, and the first of these heartbreakers that we experience when we're trying to live life passionate is disappointment. You see, disappointment is the thing that caused us pain. That, that we were having fun, trying to do our thing, sharing our dream with other people. But somebody came along and told us, you know, you really don't have what it takes. Don't try. You know that, 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 that only five in a hundred businesses go bankrupt in the first five years they open? Or the other way around? See, I'm not passionate about that, so I wouldn't know. But, but do you know that, 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 that if you try to do that, you're going to end up on the street? Do you know that if you, if you try to do that other thing, you're going to make people against you? Or, or you're never going to be happy trying to pursue that dream? Or, or you're just not coordinated enough to be an athlete or, or this or that? And, and then... Now what's happening in your heart is that that passion that grew once and was lighting your life, now it becomes a disappointment because you will never in your mind be able to do it. People told you it is impossible to accomplish your dream. So now you are living under the shadow of I'm never going to be hurt. I'm never going to go through pain of disappointment. I, I don't want to go through that. So now you're living your life in a way that you were not in, intended to live it because you're protecting yourself from disappointment. That is a very bad idea because what you're doing is that you're sell, setting yourself up to live somebody else's life. The second thing that happens, uh, the, se the second heartbreaker is fear. Fear. Disappointment is, is preventing you from trying again, but fear stops you from even trying. Fear, it's a weight that even though it's not there, we think that we could never move it. And fear is the number one heartbreaker. We fear that we will fail. We fear that we will never be happy. We fear, but inside of us, inside of us, our heart is saying, you can do it. You can do it. This is what you want to do. But because of fear, you never do it. See, disappointment is caused by other people, but fear is caused by ourselves. So it's even worse than disappointment. The third one, the third heartbreaker is guilt. Now, guilt, family, takes an enormous amount of energy to live with guilt. 
Because the guilt, it, it is carrying a huge sack of garbage on your back. Guilt is the thought that I don't deserve it. I, 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 I can't do this because somebody else should deserve it more than I do. And oftentimes we, we live with guilt because we think that, 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 that we don't deserve to be forgiven, that, that what we did in the past should not allow us to do what we want to do. Instead, somebody else who's lived a better life should have it. And when we live with guilt, we're carrying the burden of not being who we are and also carrying the burden that somebody else should do what we should be doing. What we need to remember is that God has forgiven you from all your sins and that you don't have to carry them any longer. Jesus has set you free. And because he has set you free, now it's your turn to set yourself free. But when you haven't forgiven yourself, that is called guilt. The most difficult person to forgive oftentimes is ourselves. The next heartbreaker is bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness will eat you alive. Because see, bitterness shows in the way that, oh, he's living his dream and I'm not, dreaming my, I'm not living my dream. So... Wait, something is wrong. He does not deserve it. It's the opposite of guilt. Why is he getting it? Why is he living like that? What does he have? That family, that house, that thing. Why does he have it? And not, not, not I. And see, bitterness then turns into resentment. And when it turns into resentment, then it transforms into retaliation and revenge. And bitterness is even worse when somebody who has done something wrong to us is being blessed instead of us. Because that bitterness, like I said before, will eat you alive. But see, there's a verse the Bible tells us that, and this is one of my favorite texts. Revenge says the Lord is mine. Now think about it for a second. If you want to be revengeful, who is going to do a better job, you or God? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so don't feel revengeful. God is in control. He will take care of things. And he knows what to do at the right moment because he's never wrong. Now, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry that somebody did you wrong. But your pain should not prevent you from being happy, then you are doing the wrong to yourself. The next heartbreaker is rejection. Rejection. And probably this is the most painful of them all. Because someone, sometime, when you were little, somebody who you looked at, somebody who you, who you had in high esteem, said no to you. Or put you aside. Or didn't spend time with you. And see, when we're little, we look up to adults. And we think that adults are always right. But see, adults that rejected you when you were little that you look up to, they were wrong, not you. 
And I'm not saying that you're never wrong. What I'm saying is that you should not leave your present as an adult with the rejection from your past. Because if there's anybody who can accept you at any moment, it's Jesus. And he's telling you today, don't leave with rejection because I will never reject you. In fact, what he's saying is that what is preventing you from acting on your dream today is past rejections. But see, almost no one has been successful at the first try. So if you have ever failed, welcome to the human race. Because see, that is part of life. Our failures do not mean they're rejections. Our failures are preparations and they're lessons on how to do the things in the right way. You see, one thing is to be good at doing something and another thing is to not do it right. You could have the ability to do things. You could have the, the, the imagination, the power, the wisdom to do things. But you could also be lazy at doing things. And being lazy and not knowing how to do are two different things. When God is giving you the ability, when God is giving you the, the capacity, when God is giving you the brain power to do things one way, but you choose not to do them completely right, but do it, do it halfway, and you get rejected, you don't get what you expected, what you thought you deserved, that is not rejection. That is learning a lesson. But when you put all your ability, all your power, all, all the, the gifts that God has given you to do the things the right way and the way they should be done, you will never be rejected. You will be satisfied even when other people don't see it. The worst thing that could happen to somebody is to do something knowing that you could have done it better. But there's a cure for heartbreakers. Colossians 3, 23, it's in your notes. Whatever you do, are you with me? Whatever you do, work how? Heartily. Ask for the Lord, not for men. Now, let, let me unpack this, this text because this text is powerful. And if we were to stop the message right here, it'll be it. It'll be enough. Notice. Whatever you do. I don't know what you do. I don't know what your passion is. I don't know what your, what your spiritual gifts are. But I know something that you're doing something. Or at least you should be doing something. So whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with everything you got. With everything you got. Now, some of us, like we said the other day, we are probably working at a job place that we're not happy about. And that's a reality. Not necessarily because of what we're doing, but it could be also because of the people that we're doing it with. Or the people we're doing it for. We might not be happy about that. But let's think on this for a second. What if on Monday, you know, Monday, when we get to work, you know, some people say, Good morning, Lord. Some others say, good Lord is morning. <laughs> but on Monday morning, when you get up to go to work, think, today 
I'm going to go to my job place. I'm going to do the things that I have to do, but I'm not going to do it for my boss. I'm not going to do it for a paycheck. I'm not going to do it for, for whatever reason I've been doing it for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I'm going to do it as if God was my boss. Do you think that the way you do things would be different? Would you cut corners? Would you steal the staples? See, things will be a lot different. In fact, our workplace will be completely different. We will see people in a different way. Even when they're people who are not very nice. We would see them in a different place because we are doing whatever we're doing for God. And that's what this text is saying. So, so how, how can we use our passions to do things daily? And I'm going to go real quick through this. The first thing is that you have to open your heart. This is how you start doing things. You have to open your heart. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. You see again the food theme here? See, see, God is saying the beautiful thing about our relationship with people, God, the, the, the relationship that God has with people is that he's always willing to spend time doing the things that are fun. And if your passion is in the things that you do, everything you do is going to be fun. See, Oftentimes we think, okay, God doesn't want, to, doesn't want me to do this. God doesn't want me to do this other thing. God doesn't want me to do this other thing. But you see, God even uses the thing that we don't think are going to be a blessing. Let me tell you how God works. And he works across generations too. You see, uh, uh, 25 years ago, uh, we were practicing volleyball with my cousins and other friends at Monrovia High School. And there, one of the teachers said to me, after practice, what college do you go to? I was a senior in high school. And I said, look, uh, I'm still in high school. And she asked me, what college are you going to go to? And they said, I don't know, pretty far, maybe PCC. Pasadena City College. And, uh, and she said, you know, uh, would you be interested in coaching our volleyball team, our girls' volleyball team? I was a senior in high school. I love to play volleyball. Coaching volleyball, being around girls, yeah, sign me in. Right? So, so, so the next semester, I was coaching a volleyball team. Now, it was crazy because when we get there, we have the tryouts on the first game uh, of the season. One of the girls says, coach, hopefully this year we win a game. What do you mean we win a game? Yeah, for three years we haven't won a single game. I was like, nah, that's why nobody wanted to coach. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make this story short. This lady who asked me to coach, she used to work for the city of Pasadena. For the, uh, the, uh, during that year, she asked me if I knew how to play baseball, if I liked baseball. I said, yeah, that was like my first sport. My dad, that's what he taught me to, to play. I, I know baseball very well. Well, you know what? The city of Pasadena has this place uh, at Brookside Park, and there's uh, a league, a softball league, that is called Major League Softball, and they need scorekeepers. Do you know how to use computers? Yeah. She said, well, you know, why don't you come and, and I'll introduce you to the, to the, to the manager and, uh, and they can pay you up to 50 bucks per game. This is 25 years ago. 
So I went one night, and, and they showed me what to do, and, you know, and he said, you know how to score baseball? I said, yeah, I did it since I was a kid. My dad taught me how to fill in the boxes and stuff. He's like, well, you know, this is how it works with a computer. So what I did was that they, the teams, when they were about to play, they brought me their rosters, their lineups, and, and I had to in, input them into the program, and then as the game was progressing, I would put the stats. At the end of the game, I would print out the batting averages, the defensive uh, uh, statistics and all that, and that was my job, doing two things that I love, computers and baseball, and all of that because of volleyball. Now, later on, that lady was in charge of the water safety, safety uh, program at the city of Pasadena, and she asked me, do you know how to swim? And I said, eh, kind of. Do you want to be a lifeguard? And I said, sure. <laughs> Why not? So I became a lifeguard, then I became a water safety instructor, and I ended up being a pool manager for seven summers. I worked for the city of Pasadena. Now, my children today, they're working as lifeguards. It had never occurred to me to be a lifeguard, but I ended up being a lifeguard. I ended up doing the baseball thing because I played volleyball. And I played with all my heart every time. Somebody wiser than me said, whatever you do in practice, do it because that is the way that you're going to play. So the way you practice is the way you play. And let me tell you something, family. On this earth, on this earth, we are on the practice ground. This is not where life ends. Life ends in eternity. And if today we don't learn to do the things wholeheartedly, we're not ready to go to heaven. Are you with me? So God is saying the first thing you need to do is to open your heart. Be ready for the moments that I'm going to appear in your life. Be ready for the opportunities that I'm going to present before you so that you can become the person, the individual that I want you to be. Are you with me? So stop, stop just thinking that God is not going to show up in your daily life. God is ready to show up at any moment in many different ways. All you have to do is to be open. Second thing, but ready to, definitely. Second thing is let God heal your heart. Let God heal it. We all have one thing in common. And that one thing in common that we have, family, is that we have a broken heart. At any moment in time, somebody has said something, done something to break our hearts. If I were to ask you today, raise your hand if you've never been brokenhearted. Somebody raises your hand, their hand, it's a liar. <laughs> because all of us have had our hearts broken at one point or another. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Are you with me? Another not moment in time, there's not another time in life that God is closer to an individual, even if that individual is not aware of, that when the heart is broken. There's not another text like this in the Bible. Notice what it says. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
And the reason why God is so close in our moments of pain is because those are the times where we are the most vulnerable. Those are the times where we need the most help. And oftentimes when we're in pain, we, do, we have one of two reactions. The first reaction is forget it. I don't want to know anything about God. But inside of us, we're dying because we know the only thing we need is God. And the second thing is that I'm so broken that only God can fix me. So God is saying, when you're in praying, when you're broken, that's when I am the closest, even if you're not aware. The, second, the third thing that we need to understand about using our, our passion, using our hearts, is that we have to learn to listen to our hearts. See, we are going through life way, way too fast. And let me tell you, last weekend, two of my kids graduated, one from junior high, one from from academy, from high school, and I'm thinking, looking at pictures and when they were little, how did this happen? And the thing that, that surprised me the most is that at one point in time, my hair was completely brown. <laughs> and I'm asking to myself, what happened? Where did the time go? You know when people say you have little kids and they tell you, well, you know, enjoy them because they grow too fast? It is true. They grow way too fast. Now I have two in my house that are driving. And what pays me the most is insurance rate. <laughs> but, but you see, what happens in reality is that kids grow up. We get older. And you see, when we don't pay attention to what God is telling us through our heart, through our own heart, we miss life completely. So we need to learn to stop. We need to learn to be aware of what God is trying to tell us through our heart. See, God installed those passions, those desires in our heart to do things because that is how he made us to do, to, to be the individuals he made us to be. And when we don't pay attention to our hearts, when we don't learn to listen to our hearts, we miss life completely. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sovereign judgment, each according to the measure. Listen to this last part. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You see, we are all given certain passions, certain amounts of grace. And when we don't learn to listen to our heart, we might be thinking that we have somebody else's amount, somebody else's measure. And that is when the, when, when the ill and sick feelings come into our lives because we begin to covet and we be, get resentful and, and we look at others instead of our own heart. And see, it is amazing how bad we are at listening because we think that prayer is mostly talking to God. Are you with me? And we, I've heard people, well, I pray for 20 minutes. I pray for half an hour every day. And I'm always thinking of how long you listen for. Because when we say amen, we also say I'm done later. And we go. But, but we see, we, we often think, well, how come in the Bible God spoke to Abraham? He spoke to Moses. He, he spoke to David. But yeah, because they made the time to listen. God is willing still to speak to us today. But we need to learn to listen to the voice of God. And just like he spoke to Isaiah, he still speaks in a soft voice. But we have to learn to make time 
to listen to Him. And the last suggestion that I have for you as we grow into our passion and, and the people that God made us to be is that we, le- we need to learn to follow in faith. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. God wants to bless us. This is not a new thing. This is not a thing that I invented. This is not a thing that I made up. It's in the Bible. God wants to bless us. That's what the Bible says, and I believe it. Our problem is that we want God to bless us in a life, in a way that we were not meant to be blessed with. We want to be blessed with somebody else's life, not with the life that God gave us to be blessed with. So what the Bible is telling us is that God is waiting for us as we understand our heart, as we learn to listen, as we learn to, 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 to listen to His voice, uh, as we learn to be guided by it, and as we learn to open it, that God is saying, I want to bless you, but you need to be careful because the next step is going to be a step of faith. You need to trust that the person that I made you to be, this passion that I put in your heart, is who I want you to be. And for that, you need to leave some things behind. You need to understand that you have to take a leap of faith. There's going to be a moment that you have to trust only in me, not in what you can do. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved to play on the monkey bars. You know what the monkey bars are? They still have them today. And the monkey bars have a, have a thing because they are a test of strength and balance. Let me remind you in case you forgot what the monkey bars are. There are two parallel bars and every so often there's pegs that go from one bar to the other. And you have to climb a ladder. And as you climb on that ladder, you are getting higher off the ground. And once you get off the ground high enough to reach for the first peg, the objective is to get to the other side of the monkey bars. Now you're familiar with it? So what you do is that once you grab from the first peg, the next thing you do is that you balance your body to reach with the other arm for the next peg. And you repeat the motion for the next peg and the next peg. And there's something that happens in the middle that is always teaching the most powerful lesson to all of us. Because there are some people who say, I cannot make it to the other side. And the first thought is, I'm going back. Have you seen those squirrels when they're on the road and you're driving? What do squirrels do? They get to the middle, they see the car coming, and what do they do? They go back, and you're like, why are you going back? It's the same distance. Keep going. <laughs> but we see that with ourselves when we're on the monkey bars. You see those kids, and they're like, I can't do it. And they try to get back. But when they try to, to get back, the momentum has stopped. They don't have the flow of the pendulum of their body. And if you learn physics a little bit, the, the principle of angular momentum is not carrying them in the same direction anymore. They have to stop it. They have to use effort, strength to stop. And then they have to create momentum where there is none to try to go back. And what happens is that they start letting go until the moment that they go all the way to the ground. But see, there's some other kids 
These other kids, they grab the monkey bars and they start swinging and swinging and swinging. And they could not, you're looking at them and you, you're thinking, there's no way they're going to make it to the other side. They're skinny. They're little. Their arms barely reach like this. But you see them going from one to the other and they're laughing. Ha ha. Until they get to the other side and when they get to the other side, you're like, how in the world did you do it? And the only reason why they trust that they will get to the other side is because they have done it before. Family, God is telling you that the first time is the hardest of them all. God is telling you, you have to trust that I can take you to the other side. But you have to let go of the first bar. If you don't let go, you will never make it to the other side. You see, if, if you look at your notes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. Uh, let me ask a question. Do you have possessions? Yes, you do. Do you have strength? Yes, you do. Do you have passions? Yes, you do. And to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Now, pay attention carefully. Verse 20. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. You see, we worry constantly about each day. We worry constantly about the end of the month because rent is coming, mortgage is coming, the car payments are coming. We worry constantly about those things. But the promise of God says that when you open your heart, when you put your passions into God and you allow God to work your life through the passions that He's put in your heart so that you can become the person that He made you to be, you don't worry about those things because now your heart is full of joy. So family, the plan of God is for you to have joy in your heart. That means that whatever is in your heart, whatever is filling your heart, God wants you to use it on the right way. So today, I want to give you, we want to give you as a church an opportunity to start using your passions. See, last week we gave you an assignment. After we discover spiritual gifts, we ask you to pray. To pray in which way God was going to use you to use your spiritual gifts. Remember that? Remember that? Okay, three people remember. Now, this is what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to show a, a video. And this video, it's a song. You know it. Change my heart, oh God. You know that, right? You know that, you know that song. And if you know it, sing along. That, that'll be awesome if you sing too. But in the meantime, the, the, the people in charge will go around and they would give us a little form like this. This form. And this form says ministry volunteer form and it has shape on the top. It has shape on the top because that way you won't forget that this is how we use our shape. And here are a list of our ministries that we have today in our church. All the ministers that we have today in the church. And let me tell you something. There is going to be one where your passions can be used. Guaranteed. At least one. Maybe, maybe several are going to be there. So in order for you to let go. In order for you to get to the other side and become the person that God wants you to be. You need to use your passion. 
And if you are not using your passion, your heart, at the place of your work, this is the place where you can do. So as you get the form, you're going to pray about this form. You're going to fill it out. You're going to put your name on it. You're going to mark the ministries that you want to use your passion in. How you want to be used by God. And you, if you have, if you're already sure what you want to do, fill it out and, and just give it to us at the end. If not, you're going to see this every week for the, next, for, the, for the next three weeks. Because we want you to pray about it. And as we discover the rest of our shape, those things that God wants you to do will become more evident. Okay? So, so now we're going we're gonna to watch the video as, as these forms come to us. And, uh, and then we'll close after the song.